Alright y'all, this is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, let's get right into it uh, with the word on the street. Uh, this is going to be a very deep topic today in terms of the subject matter, uh, but let's just get right into it. This is We're going to talk a little bit, well I'm going to talk a little bit about the new abortion laws that were passed in Alabama and Georgia. Uh, first things first, I wanted to just give you a disclaimer uh, that I am pro-abortion, especially in cases of rape, uh, incest, and a life-threatening issue. Um, I think there is some comp, there is some uh, level ground that people can meet, both sides can meet in order for uh, abortion laws to be in effect. So I, I personally agree with women's uh, their own choice, uh, but I do think that there is uh, a um, common ground between both sides again for these laws to exist without uh, them having to come off as a fantasize or anything like that uh, but anyways let's get right into what I wanted to talk about today I'm not going to get too much into what I my opinion is or any solutions I may have because again I'm not a female but what I am going to do is I'm going to break down the laws for you a little bit of uh, what they are um, specifically the one in uh, Georgia the one in Alabama is a little bit cut and dry uh, so that one's going to be a little bit easier to go through but again I think the biggest uh, one thing that I did want to get into in this discussion is another angle in which a lot of people especially the mainstream media and social media is uh not looking at and I think they need to in order to really get to the root of this problem here in order to really find the solutions uh, but let's get right into what these laws are in Georgia uh, the passing of HB 481 will prohibit abortions excuse me after six weeks and it was signed by Governor Brian Kemp uh, prosecutors can file charges against women who get abortions and even those who miscarry in certain cases uh, now that's crazy to me I don't know how this happens uh, fetuses will be considered a person and the Georgia law also includes self-termination by the use of prescribed drugs such as uh, misoprostol yeah misoprostol I think that's how you pronounce it uh, it of course will be challenged in the court uh, by the American Civilities Union also Planned uh, Parenthood uh, currently uh, women are allowed uh, to get an abortion at the 20 week uh, 20 week uh, period. Uh, now, this is a quote coming from Kamala Harris. This is uh, pretty much uh, sums up. I, I, in my opinion, this is a pr pretty much good argument against uh, what we're seeing here. Uh, she goes on to say a blatant attempt to criminalize a woman's constitutionally protected right to make her own health care decision. I agree, uh, but my issue is going to come a little bit deeper, and it might hit a little bit home uh, for some people. Uh, but let's get let's get through it. Uh, but this is from the other side. This is coming from the actual governor himself that signed off of it, on it. Uh, this bill is very simple, uh, but also very powerful. A declaration that all life has value, that all life matters, and that all life is worthy of protection. Uh, that's what they claim. But Georgia experiences some of the worst poverty rates in the nation, and they also pay some of the lowest wages so ch uh, children might be able to be born now in that state more uh, but again it won't be a great quality of life so I did want to throw that out there as well uh, the bill does include exceptions for death uh, for uh, cases in which it might cause a death or some type of long-term physical damage uh, in the law in Alabama uh, let's get strictly to it like I said it was gonna be a little bit more cut and dry uh, literally all um, this is also called the HB three. This is called the HB three one four in Alabama. Uh, abortions 
are all a felony. I believe in this uh, this situation, except for it causing death, uh, meaning rape, incest is not protected. Uh, currently, the the charge, uh, well, the the sentence for rape in that state is ten years. Uh, the 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 charge, well, the, the sentence for uh, performing an abortion on a child will be up to ninety nine years. Now that's crazy. That's out of pocket. I never said it. I agreed with this, but I'm gonna come at you guys from another angle. Now, what if I told you now, what if I told you that the bill, of course, now this was a Republican law, of course, this was passed in the Republican states, two of them. I agree. And I, you know, you can say what you want about the Republican Party, but I'm going to move a little bit closer. Now, what if I told you this bill was sponsored by, uh, let's see, one, two, three, and actually three female representatives, state representatives. First of all, you have Joey Lott, who's the governor's floor leader, so she works directly pretty much underneath the governor. Uh, we all, She's also a member of the Health and Services Committee. We also got Jenny Earhart, member, uh, still a state representative, and also a member of the Info and Audits Committee. And finally, in terms of the sponsors on the state uh, Congress level, you also have Darlene K. Taylor, state representative and also another chairman of the Info and Audit Committee. Now, if we're talking on a, a sponsor on a, on a state level, I'm sorry, on a Senate level, we also have Republican. Now, these are all Republicans, so, but at the same time, they're women. And let me get to my point after I, after I talk about some more of these people here. I also have a state senator, Renee S. Utterman, District 45, just in case you think I'm just coming up with this. And I went to the Georgia state uh, website because they don't give they they let, they let it all hang out. You can go directly to that website and look this information up. Uh, she's also a member of the Health and Sur uh, Human Services Committee. This law was pretty much constructed by that same Health and Services committee the health and services committee of the state of georgia the committee uh of uh, uh, the committee like, i'm sorry excuse me the health and services uh the health and human services committee in georgia the state of georgia is responsible for legislation and this is coming from the state website is responsible for legislation that affects the conditions of safety regulation and social services for Georgia residents. Also regulates doctors and, and uh, medical receive and medical procedures. Excuse me. Guess who the head chairman of this committee is? Party aside, party affiliations aside, guess what? It's Sharon Cooper. Sharon, not Baron Cooper, not Thomas Cooper. This, 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 there wasn't, I mean, again, there was some male, uh, at least on the cong congressional level, there was some male sponsorship, sure. But it was damn near even between men and women. And again, this is a Republican law, this is a Republican state. Go on and you can expand on that what you will. Okay? So let's talk about that. Oh, no, no. Let's talk about some other female members in this group, in this committee, because there's a lot of them. But I'm just going to name you a couple more. Katie M. Dinsey, K uh, Karen Bennett, Karen Mathiak, 
Kim Schofield, Deborah Silcox. Now, some of these women did not vote yes, but uh, if, because some of these women are uh, actual representatives, some of them did, but a lot of them did. Some of these are examples of some that did. Let's go to Alabama's law, HB 314. Abortion is a felony. Sponsored by Representative Terry Collins, Chairman, House of Education Policy. Who a woman? Terry. Terry. Now there's some there's some guys named Terry. Terry Portland Trailblazers head coach is named Terry. Terry Stott, sure. But this here, when you see T-R-R-E, or C-T, sorry, T-R-E-E-I, it's usually a female. And this is who it is. Chairman of the House Committee of Education. Mm, mm. And then this bill was signed off by Governor of Alabama now, K. What man you know named K? K. Ivy. Now, you can say what you will, and I'm not I'm not above thinking that maybe, yeah, some uh, men have some um, responsibility drafting the law. They probably did. But definitely some females did, too. My point is here is there is this negative, uh, I'm sorry, this narrative that men are somehow telling women what to do. Well, that might be the case. But clearly, if it is the case, if you really want to just sit there and say that, well, you have to say, well, they're going right along with it. They're signing off on it and they seem to be OK with it. Do you think that if at least two of these females decide or at least uh, uh, the the majority, even just the Republic, the, the women in the Republican Party decide that they would not follow through with this vote? Do you think something like this passes? Maybe you challenge this. Maybe a female governor, shouldn't a female governor want to veto something like this? Because there's, I'm sorry, you can say what you want, but there are certain issues that go over party lines, racial lines, gender lines, and all that. This is something that goes over uh, political lines. Forget being a Republican and a Democrat on this issue. This is taking away rights of your constituents. So in my opinion... You could sit there and, and claim men are doing whatever. First of all, let's get it real here. They're Republican. And it's a coalition of Republican men and women. Don't stop saying it's men. Stop trying to just blame men because Kay Ivey certainly signed off on it and was okay with you not being have, having the right to vote. A woman. I'm going to keep saying their names. I'm going to say their names. Jody Lott. Governor floor, governor's the, the uh, governor's floor leader, and also the member of health and human, uh, sorry, member of the health and human services committee for the state of Georgia decided that you shouldn't have that right. They took away your choice. What you gonna say to them? That that's see, well, it's it's easy to point. See, and that's the point. That's what the media is here for. That's what social media is doing. They're dividing us. See, because if you come after us and we come after women, that's the whole point. Because guess what? People like Jody Lott, they're still in, in in their position. We've done nothing but argue on Facebook posts and, and, and post great memes and great sounding memes. But at the same time, the fact of the matter is women were just as responsible for taking away whatever choice you wanted as, as much as these men were. 
And you're not coming at them. I'm going to keep saying these names. Jenny Earhart, just so y'all know. Because you can't even name me. You couldn't even name y'all. I bet you a lot of these people couldn't name me the Republican males that signed off on this. So let alone the women. So let's, let's see who really did the research. That's why I'm going to keep saying these names for y'all so y'all get it. Jenny Earhart, member of the Info and Artist Committee. Darlene K. Taylor, chairman of the Info and Artist Department. You got Republican Senator Renee S. Utterman. Remember that. That's not Roger S. Utterman. No, that's Renee. That's not, this is Chairman, this, the, 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 the committee that came up with this legislation is chairman by a woman, Sharon. Sharon, not, not Timothy Cooper, Sharon Cooper. Sharon Cooper. Kay Ivey was the governor that signed off on the, on the bill that made abortions illegal. Not Roger Ivy. No. Uh-uh. Not Clark Ivy. Not Damian Ivy. K Ivy. How many dudes you know named K? Don't matter because this is a woman in this situation. You ain't gotta think about it. So the bigger question is why are white conservatives so concerned about abortion? That's what you need to be asking yourself. And you can ask yourself as a white person, as a black person, as a Mexican person, as anybody. White conservatives seem to be very concerned with people uh, being able to choose what to do with their bodies. Why is that the case? I'll tell you one thing. The U.S. fertility rate has dropped by 2% from just last year to one72 it might have something to do with it, and it might have something to do with the fact that they might not be the majority come 2050. Think about those things before you want to blame a, ma a regular guy and a man for just having the questions, for not thinking along the same lines you do. He's curious. He wants to know. He's going to do his research more likely than a lot of these women. These women are going to be quick to post a meme and get all on the Facebook. A guy's going to sit back. He might do some of that, but he's going to research at some point. I researched at some point, and this is what I found out. I suggest a lot of y'all do your research, too. And if you want to be mad, if you want to really show, your, show some, some feelings, if you're living in the South, Georgia, Alabama, write to Renee S. Utterman. If you go to Georgia's uh, website, they'll show you all the information about how to mail these people, uh, how to contact these people. Send them a call. Send them a message. Don't go on Facebook talking about what men have done. I, I, I'm telling you right here. Terry Collins sponsored this bill, the H314 in Alabama. Go call her. You can find her number. Go send her a letter talking about what it's doing to your situation. Because she said it was cool. Just like you can you can mail all the other Republican representatives. Because it was a Republican law in two Republican states. But this was a coalition. This was not just men trying to tell people what to this is a party and a group of of of, of a, a, a of a certain group of people in general telling people what to do and trying to manipulate things. So you need to look deeper into that. Stop blaming everybody else. Read a little bit more. 
On that note, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, let's break down some playoffs. We're going to talk about the game ones uh, for the conference finals uh, in the NBA, and then we're going to... Um, yeah, I think we're going to keep it there. We're going to also have my top five disappointing playoff runs. And um, we'll keep it like that today. Not too not too deep after this, but uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. I am back. Let's get into it. We're going to talk some NBA action uh, from last. We're going to start off with last night's action. Uh, Eastern Conference Finals Game 1. The Bucks uh, get it done late. 108-100 to 100 is the final score, there, final score there. They take the 1-0 lead. Uh, for the Raptors, though, they were led by Kawhi Leonard. He had 31 points, 9 rebounds. He also got 2 assists. Uh, Kyle Lowry also had 30 points and 8 assists. And then for the Bucks, Brooke Lopez, uh, he showed up last night. He was struggling in the Boston series. Uh, in the second round, but he showed up last night, 29 points. Giannis also did his thing uh, with 24 points, 14 rebounds. He also had six assists, so uh, he was dominant on the boards, getting them extra possessions. Uh, that pretty much would help them out near the end, but uh, the Bucks get that one. They take the 1-0 lead. Uh, that second game should be tomorrow night, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Blazers-Warriors real quick. Uh, that first game did not go well. I'm a little bit mad about it. I was mad about it actually the night of. Uh, now I've calmed down a little bit. It happens. I mean, the Warriors are a really good team. I'm not going to say it's a sweep. I think the Blazers are still too much of a competitive team at the moment. Uh, the Blazers just didn't show up that one night. Uh, Terry Stotts uh, really got defensive about his play calling, which means you know, he could have really definitely made some adjustments on the fly and just got really uh, stubborn during the game. Uh, he figured he could, you know, it'll it'll change, and it didn't. Uh, so I think there's going to be some changes uh, definitely within the matchups tonight. Uh, it should be a different game. I hope we make it competitive. I would not want to lose this one. We needed to steal one on the road to make it competitive. I still think as long as we don't go down three zip, we're good. Uh, but again, it'll be nice if we stole one tonight. But as of game one, the Warriors won that one, 116 to 94. Uh, for the Blazers, uh, Dame uh, did not do a whole lot, honestly. Uh, he got into the whole, I'm going back to Oakland mode, and I need to put on hella hard. And I just didn't think it it, it really mattered. It didn't show up, and he really didn't translate into efficiency. Uh, he finished the night with 19.6 assists and four rebounds. Uh, McCullum, uh, he did okay, 17 points and three rebounds. Uh, Harkless and Hood actually stepped up. Uh, they both had 17 points to go between them. Uh, Hood, I'm sorry, uh, Collins was also able to add eight. I think if Dame and CJ can lift themselves up, uh, they can definitely push push these games a little bit. Uh, but for now, uh, they did not show up in game one, and that's what you're looking at. Uh, that's why I think the series is not necessarily as out of whack as people think to Dame and CJ, they kind of have their moments. I, I, that's why I'm hoping tonight uh, they can get some, they can get some heat going. They have some time. They had a little bit of time to rest and actually game plan and shoot around. So hopefully they'll be warm tonight. Again, if they're warm and they get some, some more production from people like Harkless and Hood, which is possible, uh, you get Canada to step up again. This is a very close and not. It's very, very more competitive series than people are giving it credit for. Just game one was not a good, I don't think it was the best example of the Blazers. Is game, excuse me, game one, in my opinion, was not a true example of 
what the Blazers can do. I've seen them play a lot better. Uh, moving on to the Warriors, Steph, of course, had a phenomenal night. 37 points, 7 assists, uh, seven assists 6 rebounds. And I think part of that uh, for him and Clay, who got 26 uh, points and 3 assists, uh, was the fact that just the defense that Terry Stotts called, it was like a fallback defense, really wasn't up in their faces, uh, let them open a lot of times. And these are people, these are two guys that I would never, ever leave open. Uh, they're going to have to break me if they want to get an open shot. I'm not, if I know that they're going to set it up through the pick and roll, somebody has to, to switch or somebody has to be athletic enough, you know, and, and this is part of what, you know, makes, uh, you know, you're learning through the process. You're learning what, what happens. But I think you got to be a lot more athletic than that. A lot more, a lot less static. I mean, you know, you got to be moving. You got to be able to sprint with the, with the Warriors only to be only and because they're not necessarily, you know, up in court back and forth team. But you got to be able to sprint to those open positions because they're going to take an open shot. And the best way you can you can at least try to offset them is to be able to at least meet them on impact and at least be able to jump or just throw them off by doing something maybe you can catch a block it's not always the case but if you if you time it enough you should be able to get past those uh those screens and you know sometimes they do make moving screens that they don't really get called but that's just how the warriors play with the the blazers need to be a lot more athletic a lot more on their feet on their toes and push it maybe push the pace a little bit you know don't let golden state get set because that's what they're going to they're going to set they're going to move the ball around you have to disrupt that you have to swat things down you have to hit it things and maybe if you don't generate, you don't necessarily have to always generate steals. Make them stagnant offensively. Make that ball moving aspect. They have the passing uh, lanes. Clog those up. Just swap passes down. Hit them out of bounds. Slow their offense up. Make them repeat themselves. That's what you do. You do not let the offense like that get flow, get open shots like that. Close out the three-point shooters. Close out the, the, the real problem. And, and since we don't have Kevin Durant, we we there is no real excuse, you know, in, on 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 defense because you have one less one less uh, automatic shooter. At this point, for the automatic guys from Golden State, all you have is now. Don't be wrong. That doesn't make you know Andre Iguodala a bad player or Draymond somewhat less of an all star. But in terms of shooting and in terms of that scoring and volume, the only two they only have two automatic guys at the moment, and that's Steph and that's Clay. So if you're if you're clogging them out the lanes, if you're if you're making things hard for them, get not letting them get those set shots, keep keeping them on the move, forcing them to create, that might be that might be a little bit better for you. But we'll see. Game two is tonight. I'll be checking it out while I'm at well trying to check it out while I'm at work. I shouldn't say that, but. That is that important to me. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on, we're gonna go through my five uh, disappointing playoff runs. Uh, last last time in, uh, I did my eight most impressive, you know, one-off playoff games, just playoff games. Uh, but today, I'm gonna talk about uh, disappointing, just playoff runs. You know, uh, meaning not necessarily a single game, but maybe you know a specific. You know, you get to the playoffs. You know, you have that run, and you go down in a, in a blaze of glory or something like that. Not necessarily a blaze of glory, but you know, you you had all this hype for you and you just lose in the playoffs 
in a in a just terrible way, something like that. So that's basically what I'm trying to say here. Uh, let's get to it. My top five most uh, most disappointing playoff runs. First things first, I'm gonna go with the most recent one. I'm gonna go with the 2019 Houston Rockets. They finished the season uh, uh, 53 and 29, uh, fourth in the conference. It did not look, you know, well fourth in the conference. It was a little bit less than it was last year, a little bit lower, of course. I think they finished second, maybe even first last year. Uh, but they did win in the first round against Utah four to one uh but and then and i think the biggest thing for them that i have is they had so much hype i think in the beginning of the season they were a a favorite to to not only you know make it um you know not only to make to get 60 wins or to finish at the top of the conference but to be one of the teams or the only team that could really beat golden state and we're going all the way back to last year uh even when they lost to them then and they just came in this season everybody had the you know highly touted uh, they had carmelo for a minute they were able to let him go and still be productive uh but the narrative was always and it hasn't for the past two or three years this is the only team that could beat golden state uh but they went down to golden state in two in, in six games and it did not really in my opinion look that competitive in the last two. Uh, Houston was able to extend it one more, but they lost without Kevin Durant and, you know, Steph was hurt. They were not 100%. Uh, so for that, you know, for that alone, and just, you know, the past few years of everybody saying that they're supposed to be the team that can beat Golden State or they are going to beat Golden State or whatever, and just hearing that every year, oh, the Rockets are a top team, the Rockets are a top team, that causes fatigue for me, and I'm very sick and tired of hearing about the Rockets. This has been a very disappointing playoff run, and I think some very significant changes will be, uh, will be needed for them to even uh, think about challenging Golden State again. Moving on, we're going to go to 2015. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they went 60-22 and 22 in the regular season. That is the best record in their franchise history. They also finished first in the Eastern Conference, something that does not always happen for them. They finished with a top 10 offense, and they also finished fifth in defense. So uh, they were a pretty good team by the numbers. Uh, they pretty much had an easy route Um I think winning in six games in the first round, uh, also winning in another, uh, actually five in the first round, six in the second round versus the Wizards. Uh, but again, this team was swept by LeBron James and, and the Cavs. And this is a Cavs team that did not have Kevin Love because, again, he was lost to that injury with uh, Kelly O'Linick. I believe that was the first round. Uh, so they were not the same Cavs. They were, this was the same Cavs that did not look that great against Golden State. The, I mean, just the way that Atlanta played, or oh, just the way that Golden, I mean, Sorry, this is the way that uh, the Cavs had, had, were playing in that first series had me thinking like, damn, what if Atlanta would have showed up? You know, at least they had a better offense, whatever, like whatever, whatever. But they got swept by the Cavs in those conference finals. Uh, again, best best season in their franchise history. You know, they finished first in the East. They finished with a top 10 offense and a top five defense. For them to get swept by the Cavs, it's unbelievable. Uh, again, they could have taken that, you know, because of the stats here, again, that's one of the in terms of the stats, this is one of one of their best teams of all time. It was a good team, you know, for what, at that period of time. So to to only to only to not even win a game in the conference finals against the Cavs was un, uh, unimpressive to me, and they haven't been anything since. So as you can tell, it's they haven't again they haven't been the same since. There you go. That's the Atlanta Hawks for you. They're garbage a lot of the time, and then when they finally do get somewhat good, they get swept. 
that's that's them. Uh, moving on to number three, I'm going to talk about the 2008 Dallas Mavericks. This was right, uh, I'm sorry, not 2008, but 2007 Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this was right after their title title run, uh, which in which they lost to uh, D Wade and the Heat uh, in the in the NBA Finals. But they finished this year 67 and 15. I think that was the best record uh, in the regular season. They also finished that year before with 60 and 22. Again, like I said, they went to the NBA championship. Dirk was also named the MVP that year, but this year they got swept by the Warriors. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, again, everybody named Mama thought it was the greatest shit that they ever seen, but if anybody was watching basketball, at least the regular season games at that point, uh, you already know that the Warriors had swept that that regular season series, so it wasn't that surprising. Uh when I when I was watching the series, I'm like, damn, like they're exploiting all these different matchups. But uh, when somebody when I well, what happened was after the series, when I found out about this fact, um, I had saw a couple of those games through the season, um, the Warriors and Maverick games from that season. Uh, but I did not know that they had won the regular season. So when I heard that fact on ESPN, um, it immediately prompted me to try to to go back and find uh, footage or any type of highlights from those uh, previous games of the year. And for what it's worth, yes, Golden State swept them in the regular series. They played really well. So in that, I know, I mean, it, I'm not going to say it was insignificant because it's a one seed versus the eighth seed, I believe. The Warriors were an eighth seed. Uh, but again, the Warriors had that team's number and the Mavericks zero, like literally made zero adjustments. So it's very it's very disappointing on the Mavericks front end because they came in there with so much hype. You think that they would know better. You know, yeah, you, you might be the best team, you know, with the best record right now, but you know this team has beat this of all the teams that looked good against you this is the one that did it and for you guys to not come prepared and to still have an mvp and get whooped like that hella disappointing hella disappointing number two i know i'm gonna get some people to get mad at me but oh well i'm gonna go with the 2016 golden state warriors they had a 7-3-9 uh, regular season record. They also came back from 3-1 versus OKC. Steph Curry went back to back with the MVP, but they didn't blow that. They did blow that 3-1 lead in the finals, which has never happened before. They came back from one themselves, only to blow it uh, again. You know, there's a lot of controversy. Everybody will say, "Well, Game Five, this Draymond, this." Again, I'm gonna reiterate it. Draymond was the best player in Game Seven, and they the Warriors still lost. Uh, it prompted you guys to sign Kevin Durant, really just so he could not compete on the Golden State Warriors. Not even so he could just ensure you guys more championships. Just so, just to ensure that the Thunder don't give you guys any more competition. That's all it was about, eliminating the competition. That's all it was. Um, Let's keep it real here. 73 and 9, you did not win. You didn't need Kevin Durant. Uh you guys just happened to choke when it mattered. And it that's that's what you call a choke job. Now, again, game 5, I'm not going to I'm not for the the uh right now in hindsight, um it could have been. I mean, it, it could go either way. Yeah. Okay, if you if you want to say that, even if you really want to agree that there was uh some Fucked up foul calling game five. that kept Draymond game out in game six or whatever. Fine. Again, I'm going to reiterate every time that he was the best player in game seven and they still lost. So, again, he was definitely, we know he could have been a factor. Uh, that's why he was there in game seven. Ugh. 
It's not like they took him out of Game 7. Then you could really tell me it was rigged. But he was there in Game 7. They gave both teams ample opportunity to win again. Uh, Draymond Green, that was the best game of his life. I would, If you look at the numbers, that's pretty much been the best game of his life. And they still lost. So, again, the narrative that he was going to, you know, he was the factor that was going to keep y'all winning, I don't know that. We don't we don't know that. But we do know for, well, we don't know that in Game 6, possibly. But we know that in Game 7, he was the best player on the court in the Warriors lost. They had to sign KD, and he might lead them after this offseason. That's where we're at now. Let's get to number one. I have a tie here. <laughs> Go figure. The 2004 Lakers and the 2011 Miami Heat. Uh, the Lakers, for the Lakers, I know I talked a little bit about them uh, the last episode when I highlighted the, the Pistons, but a little, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Lakers some more here, just to just to rub it in, because I never necessarily liked them as a franchise. Um, and you know they finished fifty six and twenty six in the regular season. Uh, that's kind of like average for like the really good teams of at any era. Uh, but again, you know they were on the the the, the quest for four peat or whatever like that. I think it was like four straight. Uh, they they ended up signing Carl Malone. They had uh, Gary, Gary Payton, you know, and all that. And they pretty much really did look good in the playoffs. They ended up I think they beat the Kings or something like that. I know they beat uh the um the the I'm sorry the Timberwolves in the Western Conference Finals, four to one was the series there. That kind of had me hot because I really wanted to see KG win something. He he was so popular throughout the years and he never won anything. You know that's one thing the NBA will do. They will push to you how superstar ish a, a, a player is and just how raw they are. But they ain't got no titles, and so he was just one of those people that I'm just waiting on. Like damn, bro, when are you gonna win something? So I was really hoping that he win in the 2004, stick it to the team that I really don't like, uh, but. It didn't happen, uh, but here comes Detroit. Detroit beats them in, in five games, pretty much destroys them, both sides of the ball, and it just looked really good. It forced it forced uh, Shaq to leave. Uh, Kobe won, will, would ask for a trade a few years later because he really couldn't win. He was getting frustrated. He just wanted to win, um, and it and it put, definitely put a lot of questions on the Lakers and really for a number of years really had people questioning Kobe Bryant's legacy. Uh, he snitched on Shaq. He was part of the reason why that broke apart you know he had the rape allegations against him i'm not saying he was guilty of that or whatever but it was all distractions uh it was all something to keep them away and and you know what they weren't focused on that championship and not only were they not focused they were just playing with a really sound team that was not going to back down and not to take anything away from detroit detroit played a very good game and you know I'm not going to say, you know, the Lakers just sucked because they did earn it. They went through some good teams in the Western Conference. Uh, but again, you know, they got with the, the best, in my opinion, team that played together, that worked well together. And again, it was just a, a wash in that series. For the Heat, I'm very critical of LeBron James because he's one of my favorite players. Uh, this is this is uh, one of the uh, most disappointing things I've ever seen happen because I was I, I wasn't there like in the stadium to watch it happen, but I was in real time in TV watching it and watching them lose the series. Uh, but for the 2011 Heat, of course, this is when they hooked up Bosh with Bosh and D Wade. Of course, LeBron. They went 58 and 24. They finished with a second seed, and they pretty much they did their thing in the playoffs. They went easily through the Celtics I think they also went through the Bulls uh as well pretty easily uh and they ended up uh going they losing four they lost 4-1 to Dallas and for what it's worth I know people are gonna say you know 
it's a it's a ding on LeBron's legacy. I I say it's it's a disappointment because it was all three of them together, and I was and because there's three All Stars, you're thinking that if one doesn't show up, you might have the other two. You should have at least one, and one of them should have taken the the mantle and could have been the legend of that series. In in all reality, it could have been LeBron. Uh, it could have been LeBron's legacy. It could have been LeBron could have stayed had they won this title. In my opinion, if he would have stepped up and done it, uh, Bosch could have been uh, considered one of the greatest power forward if he would have stepped up and he would have you know elevated his play because i think i mean that's why you sign three all-stars you, you sign three all-stars so you really don't you have an out and you're struggling you have an out if if lebron is struggling you have d wade and you have bosh to bail him out you should have both of them and if all else fails you have at least one of those superstars uh i think the narrative has been to always put look put it on lebron but again you have bosh and you have d wade and it was always d wade's team until at least that second playoff run at least that that 2002 that 2012 title versus the thunder but again Wade could have stepped up and, been, and could have solidified himself as pretty much the second best point guard by virtue of him coming back and outshowing LeBron James. And that didn't happen. And it was very disappointing. And uh, Dallas, for what it's worth, uh, people won't say this, and this is another fact that you should look up. They, In terms of stats, they were the better team uh, throughout the playoffs. And they had went through a, a great a great number of trials to get there. Actually, they showed some dominance in terms of their, in terms of how they got there. So uh, let's not, let's not, you know, dis, uh, discredit the Mavericks too much. But again, if you have three All-Stars, two or one of them have to show up in multiple games of those series. And that didn't happen. And they could have won that series. Had that if They could have alternated. One night, Bosh could have balled out. One night, Wade could have balled out. Maybe two games, you, got, you get something from LeBron. But the fact that you didn't get nothing from nobody is sad. And you have you had three extra all stars, two extra all stars, and you you couldn't do it. That's sad. On the entire team, on the entire organization for that. Uh, not necessarily LeBron, in my opinion. I, I I've always I will I will ding I will ding uh, Dwayne Wade, and also I will ding Chris Bosh's uh, points for that as well for that loss as well. So uh, I'm gonna wrap this up for today, y'all. Uh, I I finished up the, the Steelmatic review for Nas. I'm gonna be talking about that in my next episode. Of course, we're going to be going over the world on the street. Uh, we're also going to be going over game twos for the conference finals as well. Uh, so look for an episode to me for me. Uh, maybe t- tomorrow will be Friday. Uh, tr- uh, maybe I'll, I'll try for Friday night, possibly Saturday morning. All right, y'all. So this is your man El Jamal coming through for a little bit. I just want to say, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, peace out. One love. I'll talk to y'all later.